0: So, since you are in Richmond, Virginia, how many times have you seen Guar live? I'm just curious. They uh, come down to Winston a lot. Well, they used to come down to Winston-Salem a lot. But one of our music venues closed for a few years. Then it reopened, but it wasn't really the same. And then it closed again. But now we finally have a really good music venue So hopefully Guar comes back to Winston-Salem pretty soon. Because that was one of the best shows I've ever been to. So much fun. So much blood. So much man juices all over you.
1: Hey, Josh. Uh, I know I played that message chunk last episode, two episodes ago, uh, when I got all the really awesome... Richmond uh, related call-ins but I wanted specifically to respond to this one but in the the heat and excitement of recording the podcast I forgot I have never been to a guar show now I, I know I know that's that's a heresy if you live here. I don't know that I've ever actually even heard a Guar song in my life. I'm not a native here, so I I don't know. They don't to me. They're just dudes in big funny suits. <laughs> um, but I do work at the university that they were students at. They're uh, they're everywhere in town here as you know local heroes. Maybe I should get to a show I don't know. Um, I don't particularly I've never cared one way or another for kind of heavy metal or hardcore music. It just never uh, it just never it never really worked for me. I, I don't know it never it, I found it interesting sometimes um, but as a genre, it just never really clicked with me, so it's just not my thing. I also hate going to shows, this drives my wife nuts. My wife is super into music and always wants to go to shows. She has this huge bucket list of bands she wants to see and place venues she wants to get to, and she chips away at that, but she does it without me. Um, I hate being in confined crowds like that. It really kind of tweaks me out. I'm not real sure why. I mean, I grew up in New York City. I can be on a, a rush hour train, and that does not bother me, but I guess that's because that's a means to an end getting from point A to point B, whereas voluntarily stuffing myself into a tin can like that just to listen to music that is probably too loud. Wow, am I getting, boy, I am middle-aged. <laughs> uh, turn that down. So yeah, I've never actually been. Anyway, that's the point. Uh, I have, however, been to Guar Bar. One of the bar members uh, considers him something, himself something of a chef and opened up a comfort food restaurant uh, which you cannot swing a dead cat in Richmond without hitting a comfort food restaurant uh, but guar bar has the excellent guar theme so you know tater tots or tater tots god's and nacho cheese for the nacho cheese gods. And there's like fake blood on the food. There's fake blood on the floor. So it's a, it's a performative experience just going there. Not that I do very often because my wife has terrible, terrible food allergies. But uh, every so often, my daughter and I will will pop down there. Also a fan of the Cobra Cabana if you're in town. They have excellent uh, like corn fritter things. I don't know what they're really called, but amazing whatever they are, they are good for the soul, definitely not good for the heart. Uh, So I I recommend proceeding with caution and moderation on those corn fritters, or in literally anything that they sell at Guar Bar. All right, so I'm glad we could address this. Uh, Let's get on with the show. Deep within a bleak and dismal swamp, hidden beneath its murky waters, Lies the headquarters of the most sinister villains of all time.
0: The Legion of Doom. Mr. Adventurer, how are you doing? Just been listening to some of your episodes and I've got to say, I'm a little bit confused with the distinctions between talking of narrative styles and dungeon crawls and this and that and it seemed like you was trying to say they're they're all very similar, and there's a lot of crossover between the two. And I would agree, man, because I, I just don't really I don't really see the distinction when I when I use those um, what do you call it? What do you call them? You were calling them structures, I believe. For me, it's all just like adventures. They they've got different flavors, different environments, and um. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm missing something, but I was interested to hear what you had to say about the way a lot of modules and published material is written, as though they're almost not intended to be used by a DM.
1: All right, a belated welcome to Camping with Owlbears. I am the Lonely Adventurer. He heard from Josh Beckelheimer of JB Productions or Publishing, sorry, uh, at the top of the show there. And that Colin was from Colin Green of the very awesome Spike Pit podcast. So thank you both for those messages. And Colin, I'm going to respond to your first part, uh, your first comment anyway, and then ramble on for a little bit until I rein myself in on the second part. I've been listening back to some of my episodes and I feel like I've been trying to make a point specifically in the episodes uh, talking about dungeon crawl versus narrative where I feel like I am trying to make a point but I don't really maybe that's maybe I'm being too harsh on myself but I don't think so I know myself and I am really good at Rambling in circles without getting anywhere, and I think part of the problem that I suffer from is that I have James Holloway disease. If you don't know who James Holloway is, James Holloway is the host of the very excellent Monster Man podcast, and if you are not listening to that, you are not living your best life. Uh, James has been reading through the various early edition monster manuals, fiend folios, etc, uh, one or two monsters at a time and then talking about how you can use those interesting monsters in your old school games. So what is James Holloway disease? James has a habit of say of beginning a segment and saying oh here's a dumb monster that is extremely derivative or repetitive and we've seen it before and we don't need it in the game and by the time he is done with the segment he has convinced himself that the monster is pretty awesome he likes it a lot and he can't wait to put it into his own game it is I, that is that's a uh, not a bug in the system that's a perk uh, it is delightful every time he does that uh, and it's just it's fun to it's fun to watch him come around to that and I think I've been doing the same thing with gaming in general I have never been good at drawing very specific lines between game genres or probably a better word than genre would be game modes game types the genre being fantasy the type being dungeon crawl or narrative or point crawl or many all, all the other labels that we love to stick on things and because I find things that I excited about and fall in love with in all the different ways of playing the game, I start looking for ways to make them all work well together which sometimes i'm successful with sometimes i'm not but much like james i start seeing the value in all of them and then i start looking for the commonalities rather than the contrasts which is difficult when your point was to actually talk about the contrast between one game mode and another so maybe i can maybe i will be successful this time who knows So while structurally there is a difference between how you run a dungeon crawl and how you run a narrative game, and while perhaps they have very different objectives, a narrative game has a plot it wants to get through, it has a a beginning, a middle, and an end, if you've done it correctly, it's got rising action, it's got setbacks for the characters, and then a, a final climax with... The big bad guy, and then a falling action, and you know the the standard uh, story structure. And if you're going high fantasy, then we're getting into the the Campbellian mono myth of the hero's journey and, and and all that. Those elements are absent from a dungeon crawl, where it is not about the individual character's journeys. It is about exploring the world and uncovering the mysteries of that world. And I think there's when the focus is taken off the characters, it really changes the tone of a game. I think at this point it's important to note also that when we talk about a dungeon crawl, it's not a hole in the ground that is uh, exists in a void. It is usually in the older modules and modern interpretations of them, it's part of a larger game. It's the sandbox setting with probably hex crawl elements to travel, and then the dungeons are scattered around as features within that landscape that you may or may not end up exploring. And this is where the structures come in, and this is where the big difference between narrative versus dungeon crawl happen and i think there's a bit of a i don't know if paradox is the right word but in a narrative game you have certain plot points that you want to hit or you may maybe you are really good at rolling with the punches and you just know that the end of the day your big bad guy has an objective in the back of your mind perhaps you're thinking you know there's Certain plans are in motion, but what the characters do and how they get to that end point is completely up to them. Uh, obviously, published modules are very different. They have specific set piece encounters that you have to run through or that they expect you to run through, often revealing certain clues when you complete them. But even then, there is a certain level of flexibility where the players can run right off those rails and head 90 degrees off the path that is clearly laid out in front of them and then the wily gm has to then take the important plot information that they need to put in front of the characters and move it to a new location so there's a there can be even though there is this very linear structure to how narrative works in terms of the first second third act the rising falling action all that thing all those things i mentioned you can have a lot of chaos in between, even though the final result or the final scene, I guess, might be a better way of putting it. You don't know how it's going to end, even though that is already, to a large extent, predetermined. There's a lot of flexibility between point, the beginning of the story and the end of the story, whereas in your dungeon crawl or your hex crawl, your point crawl, there. There's no objective, you don't know how it is going to end, but the steps along the way are very structured. Even though the players have the same sort of freedom as they would in a narrative campaign, there's um there's just procedure involved in when you move through a dungeon. It takes one turn to complete actions a b and c and then at the end of the turn roll to see if light sources are still functioning roll to see if a wandering monster comes along and roll to see it's all about uh, that pressure on resources so do you have to take a break and rest Do you have to risk a monster encounter do you have to uh, worry about your torches and food running out and that's the big focus on a game like that it's a you know push your just pushing your luck one more room one more chamber we can get out even though everyone's running out of light and we've all taken a few hits we can probably do one more and that's how you probably where this idea of uh, old school games being just engines for total party kills (laughs) comes from it's usually bad decisions on the part of the players i actually watched my own group uh, work their way mentally through one of these challenges just yesterday but I'll, i'll get to that later so there's in this, in this dungeon crawl type of game that, on a large scale, lacks uh, structure or intent in the way that a narrative game does, there's a lot of structure at the micro level, and the opposite is true for narrative games, where there is macro structure to what is happening, but at the micro level, it is... It's pure chaos. It's whatever the players decide to do, and because they are not constrained by their environment in most cases, uh, they have a wider breadth of options and therefore much uh, a, a bigger buffet of mayhem that they can get involved in. And I think so. There, 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 there it is. Finally, it only took what four podcasts. <laughs> uh, that is the big difference between our narrative and our dungeon crawl style games. And for me, I am finding I like a nice, I like a little bit of both. Um, I'm weaving elements into my own, one of my own campaigns that at certain times, I kind of think of it as zooming in the camera uh, on the action. So when we are doing very small scale specific stuff, I am running it like a dungeon crawl with kind of very procedural in its approach. And when we are dealing with broader story strokes, uh, interacting with characters and NPCs back in town and overland travel and things like that, uh, I tend to be much more narrative with how I go with it. But I hope that answers your first question, Colin. As to the second comment, uh, as who I feel 5e books are aimed at, I think there are two camps here. I own a bunch of five e-books. I think the core books and Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes and Volo's Guide to Monsters. Like these are good, solid reference books. I think they're laid out pretty well. Uh, Obviously, the art direction is high quality, if a little generic. But at least it's uniform. It's presenting a uniform vision. So that's that's all good. And they are intended for use at the table by players and dungeon masters where I start to feel a little less confident about that this and this is still kind of a a nascent thought that I am trying to work out and get more specific about but I'm going to throw this out there and hopefully some folks will call in and, and give me their thoughts on this when it comes to the modules and adventures that they put out I feel like the target audience is less the person who's going to run the game it's definitely not the people who are going to play the game because if you read the adventure in advance you just spoiled it for yourself and so i think it's a third audience and that's just the casual rpg consumer and the information and the layout of those adventures to me often feels like it is aimed more at someone who is just reading the book for the joy of reading it to get the lore to learn about the the setting that it's depicting or whatever than it is to the person who is going to try and run this material from the book at the table. And part of this impression on my end also comes from all of the satellite material that goes with fifth edition, the mugs, the the Funko Pop figures, the specialty dice sets that come out with each and every setting that they do now, which are way overpriced for super low quality dice. Um, all the little tchotchkes that are not necessary to the game but are part of d and d branding, and all of that combined to me is feels like it is selling the sense of participation in the larger d and d community in the same way that you know Nike and Adidas want you to wear their Shoes, of course, because that's their primary product, but they also want you to wear the t-shirt that has their logo on it, Um, and all these, these, these things that we code ourselves with to say, this is my tribe, this is the thing I am into, this is what's important to me. I feel like the books are kind of designed that way also, the adventures, because you can, when you read through them, you can get a sense of, as I said, participation, and then when you listen to the official D D podcast or you critical role or oh well they're running their own material but uh, actual plays or other youtube channels just talking about it you are informed about what they are speaking about you have kind of experienced it yourself in almost like a, a lone wolf gaming kind of experience although you just are imagining the scenarios play out it that's very similar to solo that i mean aside from the fact that you're not rolling dice that is solo role playing right and i don't know why that kind of like it makes me twitch a little bit makes my spine itch in a way that say um the dolman wood material for old school essentials does not like that feels like its primary goal is to lay out and explore an interesting setting rather than to sell an experience uh to potential customers. I I don't know. Yeah, like I said, this is a, a nascent uh idea that I'm still working on and I would love to get other people's opinions on that. So, I'm about at the time where I want to cut off. I can feel myself starting to kind of ramble a little bit also. I think next time we come back, maybe I will have some more coherent thoughts on this. Definitely call in and give me your opinions and then I also want to talk about something that uh Colin was talking about on his more recent Spike Pit episodes. Uh, 149 and 150 responding to some call-ins he got about how some people feel less uh less freedom to experiment and hack the rules of a more robust system like 5e than they would with a system like bx um or similar simplified systems or less uh less complex. Yeah, definitely rambling now. I want to talk about that, but clearly now is not the time. So I'm going to sign off. Lonely adventurer out.